Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. We kind of wanted to share on, on who we are as a church, as Seashore, and kind of what God's doing now, and the, the culture of who we are, and, and what is this. I know that um, the way we do church might be different than what a lot of people are used to. Um, it might seem a little more familiar than you wanted it to be. There's all different ways of approaching church, but we, we know that God's added more to our family um, each week, and, and it continues to grow, and, and things are changing rapidly for us in a good way. But we also realize we got to sort of catch some people up on, on how did we get to where we are now, who are we as a church family, and where are we going from here? So I thought we'd just kind of spend some time doing that this morning. Yeah, so, um, I mean, welcome to you. If this is your first time, I do see some new faces, and so we're just so grateful and love new people, and welcome to our family. Church is supposed to be family. Church is supposed to feel like you're very welcome here. You can laugh and giggle and hug people and, and, and feel very welcome. So... Um, we're supposed to be doing life upon life, heart upon heart, very honest type of conversations, go deep in conversations, go deep in relationship with each other because that's God's intention to do in us individually. And so if that's happening in us individually, it's going to be happening in his family as well in a really healthy way, right? And so our, our welcome here, if this is your first time, second time even, um, and we just want to tell you a little bit about who we are and how we started in... We did. About three years ago? Three years ago, last month. I've got no concept of time. I'll say three years. It could have been 30. I'm like, I can't remember how long it's been. Maybe after you hit 40, you stop counting things that take time, right? But we started about three years ago, and um, Romy and I really had just taken a year um, away from ministry, uh, public ministry, to pray and to really seek God about what he wanted to do in us and what he wanted to do here in this area. Um, I'm the kind of guy that I can quickly come up with all kinds of really great plans and strategies for how I think this thing's going to go. And God's like, yeah, that's great. I don't want to do any of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so we took some time just to go, God, we want to clearly hear from you what it is that you're doing yeah. already yeah. and how we can partner with what yeah. your spirit is doing in our city. And, and, and we did. So what we did was, um, I'm grateful Michelle is right here on the front row. Uh, Michelle met with me like 5.30 or 6 in the mornings uh, every Wednesday for like, I don't know how long, until it got too cold. <laughs> it was freezing sometimes. But we just would meet out in a park and pray. And then we'd meet on Friday nights with people and have dinner and just worship and pray. And that's what, that's what the crux of anything that we're doing in church life or, or just even as a Christian is our prayer life and our worship life is the thing. It's the thing. And so for me, I'm really grateful that I just had people that would just turn up and pray it's like it's not exciting right to go yeah I'm, I'm gonna go to prayer meeting now it's not exciting it doesn't really like excite people and I don't get it we had a new year's eve thing here for six hours and and um I was great we had probably 50 people through the night that went I rather than party and into the new year's I'm gonna pray and to me that blessed my heart that's how our church started um and it's the core of who we are because all of our prayer our prayer is all of our communication with God and that's the hearing and the receiving of his word. We're supposed to be hearers of his word. He's not just readers of scripture, which is very important. We should do it every day, right? Read scripture, get, develop a hunger for scripture. It's unnatural to not have a hunger for scripture, 
right? And so read it every day. But hearing the prophetic word and knowing the voice of the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, whatever, you can pray to all three, whichever one, doesn't matter. But hearing the voice of God and confidently knowing it and living it out, obeying God, is the most important thing for every single believer, that you are confident in hearing the Lord. And so that we started church through prayer meetings and worship, just worship over dinner is, uh, that's how we started. It is. And so, you know, in, in that time period, our family used to have family night, Friday nights. We watch a movie, cook dinner, do something. And then we just said, well, we don't have a church meeting to go to. Let's just start worshiping together and praying together as a family. And you were doing it with people like Michelle as well. And so that was church for us, just our family in our home, Right. And then after a while, we had another family, the Porters, that said, hey, we don't have any place to go either. Why don't we come over our house and we'll do dinner? And I went, hey, that sounds even better. <laughs> and then another family was like, can we join you for this like prayer and food thing? This sounds like a great idea. Um, and then it just kept, people kept coming. And one of the things that we really focused on, one of the things that we saw kind of a trend that was happening in church life was that the way that you hear from God is that a leader tells you what God says. And it might not have sounded that way, but ultimately it came down to this leadership model where um, you do what the leader says and they'll tell you what God says, which is not a new concept in church life. That's been happening for centuries, right? But we knew that God wants us to hear from him ourselves. And in John chapter 10, it says that the sheep will know the shepherd's voice. And I'm not the shepherd. I'm the sheep too. The good shepherd is Jesus. And so we wanted to make sure that people knew how to hear the voice of the good shepherd. That you can hear from God for yourself. And then trust him to do what it is that he says. That word hear in the Hebrew, Shema, right? Means to hear and obey. There's never a disconnection between hearing and obeying in Scripture. When you hear God's voice, obeying is part of the same word. So we want to teach people to hear him and to obey, regardless of what that outcome means for me and my vision personally, right? I wanted people to hear from God and to trust to do what he says. We were so committed to this that when God was sort of downloading to us some things about that he wanted to do of what became Seashore... He said, I'm not going to, he told me, I'm not going to give you everything that you need. I'm not going to speak to you everything that you're going to need to know about this church and what I'm going to do through it. And I'm like, okay. He said, I'm going to tell them. And so if you want to get the full picture of what I have planned here, you better teach them how to hear from me. And you better release them to speak that voice into the church. Because if you don't, you will have an incomplete vision. And so I went, roger that. And that's what we've been doing ever since. It's because I know that what you guys share here is part of what God's doing here. And it's amazing in those early days how these prophetic words that we would get would not just like piggyback. You know, you have piggyback words sometimes. And that made me think of this. And that made me think of this. It wasn't that. It was... A flow. It was the same thing God was speaking to us, but sometimes in different ways. And it would be amazing. I would prepare a message, and then I would we'd have those prophetic mess words, and then it was literally what was on my paper or my iPad. And I'm like, well, that was 
the scripture, my first and second point, and probably my application too. And God's like, see? And so we so endeavored to make sure that people, that you could hear his voice. That even when it came to things like, you know, when you plan a church, there's a lot of great models out there. And it's get people, get money, get a building, do a launch. And then keep half those people, keep the money coming, and then do great promotions and build from there. It's kind of a typical church model. And God said, yeah, that's in, great. In America. In America. Not, said, not the rest of the world. God said, that's great. I don't want to do any of that. Yeah. To the point where he said, this is what he told us very early on. Don't talk about money. Don't take an offering. <laughs> okay. Now, we had no income, no health insurance. And he said, don't take an offering. Don't talk about money. For now. Right? He said, but if you teach people to hear my voice, watch what happens. I would never forget. I, st- I had a, a great message on generosity. It was really good. Like I'm sitting here going through the whole concepts of tithes and offerings and free will offerings and God loves a cheerful giver. And I'm not saying I prepared it. I mean, God was giving me some great stuff and helping me to really see his perspective on generosity fresh, like a new hermeneutic exegetical message on this stuff. And I was like, this is great. I stand up in the pulpit. You remember this day? I stand up and I'm getting, she had all the notes. She was ready to put it up on the screen And I'm standing there in the pulpit. And I began, actually before that, I was sharing how we had gotten a prophetic word that somebody in our church was going to get healed of uh, MS. I just shared, I said, I don't know who it is, but let's just believe God for that. I got a word from this. And then I started sharing my message. And can I share this? Is that right? So then (laughs) Sam is in the back. And I'm I'm like two minutes into this message on giving and his hand goes up. (laughs) Now, you got to know, Sam is not like the, I'm going to interrupt this. Like, he is very polite. He's very soft-spoken, right? His hand goes up, and I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Do I keep going? And so I kept talking, and then I can see Kim's. Kim's like, you could see, I couldn't hear, but I could see, what are you doing? What are you doing? And Sam's like, I have to, I have to. I said, Sam, do you have a question? I'm preaching on giving and generosity. And he goes, I don't have a question. It's more of a statement. And I went, oh, no, here it comes. The one time I finally start talking about giving, someone has a statement. Here it comes. I thought I knew Sam, but I literally, I'm shrinking a little bit going, what's coming, Lord? And Sam goes, I have MS. And God would not let me just sit here and, and let the rest of this service go on. So we said, come on up. This early days of our church. And Sam came to the front. Here's what I love about our church. He came to the front so that I'd pray for him. And before I knew it, there's 15 people, just like you guys did just now, and began to pray over him and speak healing over his body. And it was a great moment. Now, it's one of those things that you can't instantly know that you're healed. Although I don't think you've had any symptoms since then. You've had no symptoms since then. And that's been several years. Praise God. Praise God. Then Sam goes and sits down. And I was like, okay. 
And you got to know a preacher. I know I want to finish at a certain time. And so the, the time, I'm like, that 30-minute message is now 25 minutes, is now 20 minutes, and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to cut out. And I get up to preach, and God says, you're not going to preach any of this. And some people applauded a little too much when I said that. <laughs> Kenny Porter. <laughs> and uh, just kidding him. But here's what the Lord said to me then. He said, I need to know that I can trust you, that you will hear from me and do what I say when it's really hard and when you've got something ready, but I want to do something different. Are you going to allow me to interrupt you in this service? And so I learned a valuable lesson that day. I may have all kinds of preparations, but if I teach people to hear from God, and if you teach people to hear from God, and we do what he says, miracles can happen. Amen? So to this day, we still don't take offerings. People give. Oh, by the way, people just started giving. Like you guys just started giving. And they're pushing us going, so how do we give? And I'm like, don't worry about it. That day will come. And they're like, no. How do I have a check to give to somebody? What do I write in the memo? Where is there an online? So we, like, we got to incorporate because we got to make sure we do this above board. And, and you know, people just people are just generous and generous. There may be a day when we take up offerings. There may be a day when we teach on giving. I'm not, I don't have any problem with that. Specifically, the Lord told us not to in that season. And as we obeyed him, he provided for us anyway. Because people were telling us, God told me to give. Why are you not helping me? <laughs> I'm like, okay. Amen. 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 So, um, so the things that what he's explaining is what we're not, we're not, our focus, our focus is not on that stuff. And it shouldn't be, really the church shouldn't be at all. Um, in fact, I'll even read, I'll even read, change what scripture I was going to read based on that finding actually in my bible um jesus who knows when jesus went through the temple he ripped through the temple and upturned tables of money changes um and anybody who was selling doves and any kind of sacrificial animal and um and uh, the reason he did that is that they had turned what was worship into a place to earn money and god's heart is never about that in fact god doesn't care about the money he cares about what it does in our hearts that it doesn't have our heart but he cares that he has our heart right and so jesus if you look in uh, matthew verse uh, chapter 21 and i'm going to read from verse 12 jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves is written he said my house will be called a house of prayer. My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it into a den of robbers. Now, here's the thing is, in the cultural sense at the time, the den of robbers, thieves would live outside the cities in the caves and create a den or a lair and keep all their stuff there. And so Jesus was in the temple, which is like, so Jesus walked into the church and said, you're stealing. You're stealing from the people. And you're calling it church and you're calling it religion and you're taking it off and putting it and protecting it in some kind of den. But my house is going to be a house of prayer. Right, here's, I'm going to read this also so because he's quoting, Jesus was quoting Isaiah 56, 7 and 
Jeremiah 7.11, and he said this in, in Jeremiah 7.11, Has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you? I've been watching, declares the Lord. Then Isaiah, a little happier. Jeremiah's the sadder prophet. Isaiah's a little happier. So <laughs> anyway, Isaiah 56. I'm going to read from verse 6. Foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. I who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, that's like without desecrating the Sabbath or without desecrating even the church by turning it into something that's so wrong and merchant, you know, merchandising every kind of thing except the word of God, right? So without desecrating it and who hold fast my covenant, verse 7, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Like that's the Father's heart is that we'd be people who understand how to pray, how to approach him, how to, live, how to live before him every single day before the face of God. He's literally looking at your life every single day into your life, into your heart, into your thoughts. Every moment he knows what's going on. And that's not a thing for us to be afraid of. If we know we're washed by the blood of Jesus and there's no shame it has been taken away, that's a very happy thing. Like we can run to him then and go, yeah, I want you in every detail. Amen. And so that's why we're to be a house of prayer. Church is to be a place of prayer. Can I just, on that, that scripture that you've turned my house of prayer into a den of robbers, yeah. it's not just about, some people focus on the financial side of that. The point is not that... Or religion robbers, or anything. Right. That, yeah. But the point is less about the den of robbers as it is the house of prayer. Mm-hmm. What was it intended to be? So don't just get rid of the thing it isn't supposed to be, mm-hmm. but let's focus on what it is supposed to yeah. be. Does that make sense? Yeah. It is a house of prayer we are a house of prayer prayer and worship are like two of the pillars of what God's called us to do in this place frequently the prayer meeting is the least attended meeting in the life of the church isn't it? well actually I sadly who, who knows Mario Morello who's heard it I love him I love him he's an evangelist he's powerful he said this the other day um and it broke my heart I'll cry <laughs> he goes um the American church um, every week averages between 11 to, 12, to tw- 11 to 20 seconds of prayer in a week, in, like in a service. That's, that's, that's very telling. So if, if a church, if an individual church is only praying between 11 to 20 seconds in a service each week, are we wondering why we got to where we got to? Right now, like right now is such a crux time in history. God is reforming everything. He's uprooting, he's stripping down the foundations, every single thing, right? And he's also doing that in the church. He's gonna, and, and by the way, it's a sad thing, sad reality, but it's a true reality and a needed reality because we've really got to be people who go, I'm not going to play games with you anymore, Jesus. I'm not going to play games in church anymore. I am going to live this thing called Christianity and I'm going to follow Jesus with everything no matter the cost, right? That's what this is about. And so um, prayer is the thing that's going to be very telling in any believer's life. If, if you are really for the Lord and really allowing him to have his way in you, it means exchange. I exchange my wishes, I exchange my will, I exchange all of anything that I might want for my life, any ambition that I might have for the will of the Father. And so the prayer, we actually we said it earlier in the beginning of the service, um, God, your will be done on your, on, sorry, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If that's the prayer of, the, of, the, of your heart, your will, God, not mine. Your will be done, not mine. Your kingdom come on earth. 
as it is in heaven, right? And so that's, that's the prayer and if that's the exchange. And so we're never giving up something and he doesn't, give it, he doesn't fill it with something better. We never give up anything. Like if you go, I'm going I'm to, instead of watching three hours of football, go pray for a bit, right? And, and you're not missing out on the football. What you're going to discover is that he makes himself known to those who pursue him. He, makes, he delights to make himself known to people who pursue his heart. He, he delights to do that. He takes the initiative, he turns up, and he will encounter and make himself known in ways that are really undeniable in your life. And he delights to do it. It's why you were created. Right? So... He, he delights... To, to make, make himself, himself known. To those who pursue his heart. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So this, the thing is, the Lord really from the beginning, before we started any kind of meetings, the Lord said to me two things that I had to do from the beginning and always is to um, protect the place of worship... And guard the place of prayer. And so, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll go long in worship and even longer than we do on a Sunday morning, right? But it's protect the place of worship and guard the place of prayer. Because they're the first two things that fall off or fall out of the church. Uh, we put programs over the top and we get branding and we get pretty good at social media and all kinds of things. And, and the prayer life or the worship life is too often choked out. But that's what's got to be returned because that is our life. That is our spiritual life. They are our two, two best spiritual weapons. As I pray, as I worship and sit before the Lord, the very things we were created to do more than anything else. We've got great big purpose and destiny, all of us. But the things that we're created for, the most important thing is the relationship we have with the Father. Created to be like him and through prayer and worship, we are transformed by degree, by degree, day by day, a little bit more, a little bit more. I'm going to be looking like Jesus, tasting like Jesus. This is the discipleship process. I look like him. I taste like him. I feel like him. I love like him. And, and so to the world, they go, I want that. Right? And that's what discipleship is about. Um, so it's protect the place of worship prayer. and guard the place of prayer. That's great. You know, prayer for us. You know, it's a two-way street, right? It's a conversation. It's not a monologue. But in that place of prayer is also where we develop a revival culture. Now, if you grew up old school, you know, revival was the tent you put up and the speaker that you brought in, and it was an event. But revival is not an event. Revival is a lifestyle. And the exchange that she talked about, not my will but yours be done, your kingdom come, not my kingdom. That exchange is what revival is. It means a full giving over of myself that I can receive the fullness of Christ in me. That happens through our prayer time, but our prayer time begins with two things. It begins with a repentance and it begins with forgiveness. And so most of the blockage that people see in their life, have you had that moment in your life where you feel like, there's more, but I just don't have the access to it. There's, I'm stuck. I've been doing the things and doing the, the, the stuff, and I'm, I'm serving, and I'm giving, and I'm belonging, but I'm still not feeling the power of God flowing through me. But if you understand that the Bible tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, it's not the fruits like you get to pick and choose. It means that all of those things should be happening at the same time and in increasing measure. If they're not, something's stuck. 
And for so long, we've just put up with the fact that I've got love and sometimes I'm happy, but I certainly don't have peace. Yeah, yeah. But you're supposed to have all of it. Yeah. That's the natural state of a disciple. So if something's missing, you can get unstuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll be honest, it's not because I laid hands on you and prayed for you. Sometimes that's important. It happens because I have allowed the Holy Spirit into my heart yeah. to do as David prayed. Search me and know me. See if there's any unclean way within me. And when the Holy Spirit lights something up, you repent of that. You surrender that thing to him. As, as Kim was talking, Kim was sharing that, the Lord is speaking to me saying, you have a, whatever that guy's name is, you, Cedric, you have a Cedric. And I found myself getting convicted. And I'm in my heart. I'm going, Lord, I repent that I was thinking in the flesh. I repent that I saw Cedric as a problem to be navigated around rather than a son who needed to come home. I repented that. It wasn't just, a, okay, now I know what to do. But I knew as soon as I heard that, there's a repentance that needs to happen. And there's a forgiveness. I have a Cedric, okay? Thank God for the Cedrics. I've already got a message working right now. So stop, stop. It's not about message writing. Okay. But then the forgiveness. God will put people on your heart to forgive. And sometimes it takes a couple of times. That's why Jesus told Peter, you need to forgive 70 times 7. Well, what if it's the same person? 70 times 7. Forgive and keep forgiving. When you do, it clears the blockages out. It kicks out the, it's like the plunger on your soul and it pushes everything through and now you can flow once again. That's what revival is. So the idea of revival is not just the rain from heaven, the blessing that comes from heaven. It's streams of living water flowing from us. It's both. And too many people are sitting on the revival bus stop waiting for God to send revival and God's waiting for us to confess, yes. repent, and forgive. Yes. So what you see in our church of why is everybody different here? It's people that have learned to repent and to forgive and make that the lifestyle. Does that make sense? And so that's what our prayer life is, is doing that stuff. So we did that in house churches first. Why do we do it in house churches? Because we didn't have a building and we had houses. So we could meet in houses. I don't think there's any special anointing blessing on, on house churches. I think it's just a means to an end of revival that we're actually doing. And so we got too big for one house, so we got another house. And then we got a venue. We met in a synagogue for a while. That building sold, so we rented a church in town center on Sunday nights and then COVID hit and our lease ran up. So we're like, well, let's go back to house churches. We know how to do that. And so we met in house churches. And Acts 20.20 says that um, Paul tells the church, he said, I never neglected teaching you, public, teaching you publicly and meeting from house to house. So the early church was both. It was meeting in the temple in public places and it was meeting in house to house. And so the vision that we have going forward is both of those things. To have a venue like this beautiful venue we have in here that we've got an agreement to meet every week now. Thank you, Jesus. And meeting from house to house. We're going to do both. We're going to have house churches and do the venue. There's advantages to both, but we're going to do both. And, and so the why behind that, he said Acts 2020. It's also in Acts 242. It's right at the beginning and then later because Acts is spread over more than a decade and so, so the church really did do this um very very well and why why so uh house churches and extending even what we're doing by planting more churches even beyond house church or here in virginia beach or chesapeake 
or Norfolk. I just said here in Virginia Beach, right? We're in Norfolk. <laughs> That's why I added Chesapeake too. And so, but we have, we have a few houses of different places that we do meet, but we want so many more. Um, the reason, one of the reasons is we, uh, as we mentioned at the beginning, we're not, we're not trying to be the people that will always preach and will always be looked at as the ones who lead the church. We are uh, an apostolic-led church. And so people, if you go, what's that mean? Um, I, so if you heard of scripture and there's like, talking about new wine or new wine being poured out or being a new wine skin, right? In the New Testament church, in that first 100 years, the first 100 years, the church operated on uh, an apostolic model. And it was the fivefold. If you read in Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11, it just says that the church was led by apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And those five those five gifts, they're the gifts, by the way, that Jesus has given and set into the church. We have the, we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which people are much more familiar with. We're less familiar because it's just not a thing because people have the one man leading a church rather than understanding it's, about, it's much more team leading. The reason it's meant to be much more team leading is because he comes to the table with stuff I don't have. And then, and then Kat comes to the table with stuff I don't have. And then, and then Sam and then everybody has something to bring to the table. And I just mean church in general, right? We are meant to be a very connected family understanding there are weak areas in me and I'm not trying to pick up those to make them strengths. I'm in relationship with the person who has that strength in their life. And God has aligned us so that we look really good together. Does that make sense? And so, and so too much of the church has been striving around just putting up one man or a couple even rather than understanding that Ephesians chapter 4 says, do right here, verse 11. You're laughing at me. How do you read that? You have more underlined than the actual words that are on that page. I'm reading from you verse have more 11. more notes than the apostle did. <laughs> I love it. I need a new Bible, actually. Um, so, no, so, no. I can think I can buy myself I, a Bible. I need, I need a new bicycle room. Anyway, keep going. So, keep going. Well, one's, one's, like, one's like $80, the other one's like 8000 So, you know. <laughs> Someone went, woo! We might need marriage counselling. We might need marriage counselling after this. No. (laughs) I really love him. It's okay. But I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 4. Bring it back, Jesus. Bring it back. Verse 11 says, So Christ himself, he's the one who sets these into the church, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And the reason, and no one person has all this, only Jesus, only, was the only person to have all those five, right? And the reason that is, is we are meant to live dependent on each other. We are meant to live in relationship and dependent, interdependent, right? And so, so um, verse 12 then says, I'm struggling to turn this so I can read it, to equip his people for works of service. This is our church. So we are an apostolic church with these people in place. We have, you know, evangelists, pastors already, and we're really going to be making known to you who a lot of those people are, and we're looking to always raise up more, right? But the reason is to equip the saints. Every single believer in the body of Christ is supposed to know how to move in the Holy Spirit, how to flow with the gifts, how to share the gospel, how to preach the gospel in crowds or one-on-one in a coffee shop. Every single believer is meant to be trained up in this right? This is what discipleship is. 
that every believer knows who they are, knows how to, how to get someone filled with the Spirit, knows how to get some, baptize them you know, in, a, in a bathtub or a pool or an ocean. Every single believer is meant to be doing the work of the ministry just like Jesus did. Our lives, every one of us is supposed to look like Jesus. All of us. And so an apostolic church, our church is an apostolic-led church so that we would be everyone here trained up, be able to easily go, yep, I can run a Bible study. Yep, I can lead someone to Jesus. Yep, I can preach the gospel. Yep, I can get them. Whatever it is. Yes, I can pray for healing and see healings happened. happen. Yes, I know how to minister in the Holy Spirit. Yes, I know how to do prayer ministry and deliverance, inner healing. Every single believer is supposed to be trained this way. And that's what we're doing. This is what our church is, apostolic-led church. So verse, um, the next verse says, two, so 11, to equip his people to do the works of service. And the reason this never was supposed to stop, people have said it stopped, but this is why it did not stop. Verse 13 says, until, there's an until in this section, until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God. And become mature. The church is not yet mature. These gifts were never meant to go away like they did. Right? There's an until. The until is every single one of us reaches maturity. The until is every single one of us is discipled. And look like Jesus. Amen. And letting them lead in the church. I wanted you to catch that. And we're wrapping up here. But um, no one person is all five of those things. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor. But often the senior pastor role feels the pressure or the need to be all five of those things for everybody. But that's not a biblical model. You look at the church in Antioch, and it was probably the greatest example of this. And the church in Ephesus had it too, where when Paul, actually a Saul at the time, shows up at this church in Antioch, they already have apostles and they already have prophets. Now, a lot of people think Paul started this church and he just determines who all the other leaders are. Paul showed up to a church he did not plant, he did not start. It just started when believers gathered together, and they already had two of the apostolic ministry happening, and he just came in with what he had to add. He wasn't even an apostle at that time. He was only, he was, yeah. He brought what he had. And so that is a great picture of what we see here. So I don't feel the pressure to be all of those things. And if you're trying to figure out who's who, Rome is the apostle here, not me. I'm a teacher pastor, but I'm not an apostle. So us understanding that has made marriage counseling a whole lot less needed than it did in the early days because we would approach a situation with two very different perspectives, very different, and we were both right. But an apostle approaches it one way, and a pastor approaches it another way. And an evangelist will approach it a totally different way. We'll teach more on that later, but I wanted you to understand that If there's only kind of two, maybe three gifts represented here, we need more raising up. And so one of the reasons we do house churches is because it's a great environment for those things to be raised up, to identify people that have been chosen by Jesus, not by Romy and me. As I can't tell you to be an evangelist. I can only recognize that Jesus has made you an evangelist. And that sort of what we call R&D culture, research and development culture in the house church is a great environment to do that. It's a great chance for you to practice the prophetic. We want a prolific prophetic people. It's a lot of P's. And you can practice to become a prolific prophetic person in a house church. 
It's a much better environment. It's safe. It's family, right? And it's not so easy always to do that here. So what you're seeing when people that do that here, they've already been doing that in the house churches. Yeah. It's where it gets developed. And by the way, this is Yaz and Akeem right here. Give them a quick wave. They're, they oversee our house churches. So if you've got more questions about what they're all about or want to host one or want to lead one, by all means, see them. But also, I can't fit you all in my living room. So there's limits. I've tried. <laughs> but there's limitations to how much we can grow in a house church, and we always need to be adding more. But a venue offers things that a house church can't do. We can do a kids program here. We tried to fit 60 kids one day in a house church, and they all made it home. That's safely. That's all I can say. And nobody broke their arm. <laughs> it was fun. Somewhat safe, but we realize that we can have a controlled kids environment here. Um, and there's some other things at a venue. A venue just helps people find us. Yeah. I have people that come in every week say, oh, we finally found you. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, well, we've been looking for you for a couple of months. I guess we make it hard for people to find us. We, did, well, we, weren't, we weren't making it super easy because yeah. government, government's not super happy yeah. with this right now. Yeah. You know, we have... And I don't want to go super political, but you know the governor doesn't want us praying. Yeah. The governor doesn't want us worshipping. And so we did fly under the radar. Happily, yeah. happily flew under the radar. So. But I want you to catch the big stuff. There's a revival culture that's happening here. Yeah. And it's happening because we've learned how to surrender. Yeah. We've learned how to repent. We've learned how to forgive. And we want to help you with that. I know it's hard. I've been particularly burdened over the past two weeks for our men for more of this, for more of this, a deep repentance, deep repentance, because there's deep revival that's going to happen. And so we'll be talking more about that. Um, and now that we're growing, there's all kinds of opportunities for people to get involved. Um, I'm thinking about systems and teams and all kinds of things right now. And, and so if you want to get involved, you're welcome to jump in and kind of help where you want. We, we run a pretty lean ship. When it comes to services, we think about what do we not have to have? Yeah, and actually, Does that make sense? I'm, I'm even going to just talk on that for a sec because across America, probably since the, uh, I want to say 80s, maybe a little earlier, but really since the 80s, there, there just became a, a trend with just getting people busy and standing on a door. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, like, if you want to greet people on the door, Great, love it. But if you're just making people busy doing that, making them busy, making them busy, making them busy, turning up to fill a roster, but there's little discipleship happening and no relationship happening and, no, and, and there's no actual, actual interaction, then, then that's not church. And that's breaking people. And Daniel chapter uh, 7 verse 25 says, the enemy roars at people all day long to wear them out, wear the saints out. And that since the 80s... There's just been this growing trend and people just get bigger and bigger and bigger on the, on the volunteer side. Oh, but I'm serving and I did my check my box on Sunday. I turned up, I did my thing, I'm good for the week. And, and um, it's actually wearing people out. And, and God never intended church to be like that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Cool. Well, let me wrap up here. So a couple of next steps, action steps, I guess. If you do want to get involved, I already mentioned Akeem and Yasmina for house churches. Um, if you're interested in, in worship or singing or musicians, Emily, can you give us a, can you stand up real quick? Is that okay? Emily's our worship pastor. And so just come see her if you want to get involved with that. If you would just like to help out on Sundays, Brent, can you stand up? Brent, can you stand up? <laughs> <laughs> Only 
Lord, I repent in Jesus' name. I call it deep repentance in Jesus' name for that right there. Brent, Brent, uh, so, so sarcasm, sarcasm, the Greek word. No, seriously, seriously. So, the, no, like, like sarcasm. sarcasm it sucks. Right sucks is I the Greek. No, repented, chasm. Okay? I repented. Sucks is the Greek word for flesh. Sarks, S-I-R-X, where we get sarcasm from, chasm being great big divide. Sarcasm, the actual meaning for the Greek is to strip flesh off people, bite their flesh and strip flesh off them. I found that out. Like do I need being, to wash his feet now? Being like a super... No, I was like, I was like super sarcastic person, right? Australians are like tear shreds and think it's funny. And um, I'm keeping it humble. <laughs> I can make up all the wrong reasons to do it. And as soon as I discovered that that's what sarcasm meant, I repented before the Lord mm. and like literally so repented. And so now it's just sanctified irony. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. Jesus sanctified our irony. Lord Jesus, I just repent of that right now. In Jesus' name, my Lord Jesus. Anyway, Brent is really helping oversee all the setup and stuff that we do here. And so if you like to get involved on a Sunday with any of this stuff, uh, just come see him. And that's kind of it. But we love you guys. And I know it's a little bit of a different message today, but hopefully you caught something from there. Um, I will say one more thing about kids, too. So just kind of a new thing we're going to do after the service is if you are a parent, and your kids are in there, it would really help our kids team if when we finish the service, if you go check them out right away. No one's kicking you out. We want you to hang out, but get your kids first. Is that okay? And also, if you, when you do, guys do leave, again, no one's kicking you out, but if you could go out through that door onto the street, you can go that way. That way we can keep our kids' area secure so that adults aren't walking through kids that have not yet been checked out. Is that fair? And once all the kids have been checked out, then we'll open up those doors and you can go out that way. But there's actually an exit right on a Granby Street right here that you can find your car. So we're going to keep that area uh, secured until all the kids get out. Fair? All right. We're going to pray and close. Yes. I'm going to read from Ephesians verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 23, the very last, second to last and last verse. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with undying love. Amen. So, God, we just bless people here. We just bless what you're doing here. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. We thank you. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives individually. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives as a great big family. And uh, we said we want more. We just want more. So keep doing what you're doing in our lives, God. Keep doing what you're doing. I pray hope would rise. I pray that our hearts would be rest in you, Jesus, because we trust in you and we're trusting in what you say, not what the world says. We're trusting in you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.